You are now listening to Zakaic Podcast, proclaiming Jesus as Savior, Healer, Sanctifier, and Coming King. A blessed Sunday to all. Buenos dias a todos. Please open your Bibles with me in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 up to chapter 4, verse 5. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 up to chapter 4, verse 5. I will read from the New American Standard Bible, 1995 edition. The Word of the Lord says, You, however, continue in the things you have heard, you have learned, and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For, this, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. May the good Lord bless the reading of His Word. I was reading an article one time, and in one of the pages of that article, there was a picture that portrays two individuals standing face to face on a sidewalk. Two individuals standing face to face on a sidewalk. And at the bottom of these two guys, there was a writing on the floor. What was that? That thing that was written on the floor is a number. A number. Just one number that was written in between the two of them. This number became a, a reason for a discussion that they had. Because one of these two guys was facing toward that direction and he looked beneath he saw number six. But the other guy who was there at the other side looked beneath and he saw number nine. So they started discussing what number really that was written on the floor. And the other guy said, insisted, it's number six. And the other said, no, 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 it's number nine. If we are in this kind of scenario, the question that we need to ask is that, what is the right point of reference that we may be able to give the correct answer? These two individuals were truly insisting 
It's number six. The other guy would say, it's number nine. No, it's number six. No, it's number nine. At the end of the day, they just both agreed, we are both correct. We're both correct. Because the way I look at it, it's number six. And the other guy said, yeah, I think I would agree with what you're saying. Because the way I look at it, it's number nine. Well, with numbers, it's a possibility that we look at it and at the end of the day, we would say we are both correct just for number six or probably number eight or probably number or zero or number one. But when you think about other numbers, it cannot be. Now, this has become a problem, not only in math mathematics, but when we bring this reality into the experiences of life, this becomes problematic as well. Why? Because there are objects around us that would require an ultimate point of reference that you and I may be able to correctly say, this is the right understanding that I should have about this matter. Why? In the world where we live today, we're in the common understanding or what is acceptable by the society comes from the idea of postmodernism, wherein truth can be subjective depending on the one reading it. Truth can be subjective depending on the one that is interpreting it. That's really problematic, I shall say. Why? Because a color can be another color already, another of its kind already, depending on the person who's looking at it. So there are many aspects in our lives today that became very much subjective in the way we interpret it. What is the point of reference that we need to take, especially about morality in the life that we live today? One of the most heated discussions that you could see over in the internet is the discussion about sexuality. Because some people would say, I think I am a, a woman because I feel I am a woman even if it, he is biologically a man. Or the other individuals would say, I think I am a man because I feel that I am even if she is biologically a woman. You see what would happen when we take away the ultimate point of reference to decide about a certain matter, there is a possibility that it would really create chaos in our midst today. And this is not a new thing happening in our time. You go back to the Old Testament, going to the book of Judges, you would read there, they did what was right in their own eyes. The point of reference is removed. The point of reference now has, the, has became the self that they have. Their perspective, their ideas, their preference, it became the point of reference. And it is very subjective because when one person says, I think this is right, and the other says, no, I think this is the one that is right. And in the postmodern worldview, they would end up saying, both of us are right. It depends on your perspective. Can it be a truth factor for everything around us? I shall say directly, it shall not be. It did not only happen in the Old Testament. Even in the New Testament time, during the time of Paul and Timothy. And that's one of the reasons why Paul had to write to Timothy. Because as a backdrop of the book of 2 Timothy, in relation to the historical, what is this background, you would see that these were just a few years after Nero 
burned the city and then pointed his fingers to the Christians. That's why there was a persecution. Along with that persecution was the reality of false teaching and a very alarming of postmodern concept taking place. Let's find it in verses 1 to 5 of the same chapter. Let's read it. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. It says here, Paul said to Timothy, But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious, gossip, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness. When Paul said in the last days, he was actually not thinking about the end times. What he had here, if you look at the grammatical, uh, what is this, construction, it would give us a sense of understanding that in the way he understood the term last days, he's talking about from this time on, Timothy, until Jesus Christ shall come back. This section within the history of mankind, this is the last days that he's talking about. And it includes our time today. So if you look at this, the first two issues that Paul raised to Timothy here is still very observable in our time today. When he said, men will be lovers of self. Men started to think that he is the center of the universe. That when he makes the decision for himself or, and for the rest of the society around him, he is the point of reference of that decision. His preference becomes the point of reference of that decision. No wonder we have a generation that is egocentric, narcissistic, and materialistic in nature. That is the thing that we can see around us today. People would say, why will you do that thing? Because that's what I feel. Feeling the emotions has become the very core of the basis for making decisions in life. And that is very dangerous. Feeling. Why will you join that? I feel it. I want to join there. Why will you go for this kind of course? Why will you enroll in this kind of, what is this, educational course? Because I feel that I am in line to this. Feeling? Surely. Your feeling is your basis. One time, somebody approached me and said, Pastor, please give me an advice. And I said, why? What's the problem? He said, there is something that I really need to make to, to decide in life. And somebody came to me and said to me that, follow, that I must follow my heart. Have you heard that advice before? You follow your heart. It sounds good, right? And maybe... We, we ourselves heard that or somebody advised us to do the same follow your heart sounds good or maybe at some point in our lives we were the ones who gave that advice follow your heart sounds good but the question is is it really right to follow the heart sometimes maybe it falls within 
that it falls categorically when we say something that is right. It coincides, but not all the time. No wonder the Bible, what the Bible tells us is, guard your heart. Because it is very deceiving. Why deceiving? Have you not observed? A person can be very happy this time. In a short while, he becomes so angry. It's the surge of emotion from deep within. And when we look at it, it is not stable. So when we say, follow your heart, it's a very dangerous thing. Or sometimes we see advice that would be given. Instead of follow your heart, there is an advertisement that says, obey your thirst. That sounds nice. Well, if you are thirsty, you look for water. But sad to say, this is an advertisement of a soft drinks. But when you are hungry, I mean thirsty, you look for water. But you bring it into the idea of a figurative sense of that statement, obey your thirst, that poses a great danger because it could, because it could mean follow what your flesh is telling you. Obey your thirst. Give in to the call of your flesh. That's a very dangerous thing. But these are all realities that we can see happening around us today. So the question that I would like to give you is this. In the midst of these realities taking place around us, in school, in your home, on the streets, in our workplaces, wherever we may be, in the midst of these realities, how shall a Christian live and make decisions? How shall we make decisions as followers of Jesus? This was a challenge faced by Timothy. And I think there is something so huge that we could learn from the advice of Paul from the text that we read. So let's look at these three important advice that Paul gave to Timothy. I think advice that are also very much applicable for all of us. In the midst of a postmodern society where the basis for decision-making is feeling, preference, influence of your peers, influence of the social media, let's all be reminded about this. First, something that Paul gave to Timothy. Let us continue to embrace the wisdom of God's truth. I'll repeat. Let us continue to embrace the wisdom of God's truth. That's the very first thing that Paul mentioned in chapter 3, verse 14. Continue. Meaning to say, Paul was very sure about what Timothy had believed about in the early days because it was also Paul who influenced him about the gospel. So Paul knew the content that Timothy needed and he knew that content already. And what Paul is saying is continue to embrace, not only continue to know because knowledge, if it is just knowing, it can be segregated from doing. But when you say you embrace the principle, you embrace that particular ideology, you don't just know about it, but you live according to such an ideology. And this is what exactly Paul was, exactly what Paul was telling about Timothy is that you know this biblical truth. You know the wisdom coming from the scriptures. Continue to embrace it. You do not only know about it, but embrace it. Live your life according to it. It is based 
on the truth. That's why the title of the message today, because we are in a series called Pseudo-Christianity. Last week, we learned about the reality of pseudo-Christians, wherein there are individuals that may appear very Christian, and yet deep within them, it's not real, it's not genuine. And today, we are looking further as to how we are going to test. That is why the subtitle is that the Word of God as the arbiter of truth, a litmus test against pseudo Christianity. Because when you look at a person, how he embraces the truth coming from the Word of God, it would attest further the genuineness of his faith deep within his heart. A genuine Christian would uphold the Word of truth, the Word of God, the wisdom of God as the arbiter for all truth. So the point of reference now is the Bible itself. When we make a decision, when we are confronted to make a decision, which one is right and which one is wrong, which one is we, are we going to perceive as truth and not, we go to the Word of God. We don't go to the emotions. We don't go to the influence of our surroundings. We don't go to the dictation of the society around us. We go to the Word of God. So when we think about the issue of sexuality, we don't go to any other thing. We go to the Word of God and refer to it as the ultimate truth that we will claim. It's the Word of God that is the ultimate basis for life. So take note of this. When, when Paul saw this reality taking place surrounding Timothy, he told him, continue to embrace the wisdom of God's truth in your life. That's the only way that we will not be swallowed by the postmodern worldview. There are some good stuff in the postmodern postmodernism. Some good stuff. But I think as far as determining truth is concerned, we always go back to the ultimate point of reference. No other than God himself according to what he stipulated in his word. So Paul was telling Timothy, continue to embrace the truth according to the wisdom of God. Second advice, it is found in verses chapter 4, verse 1 up to verse 4. When Paul advised Timothy about this in relation to what he stated earlier in chapter 3, verse 15 and 16, he advised Timothy with several commands. And the very first command encompasses the rest. If you look at verse 2 of chapter 4 in particular, what Paul is telling him is this, continue to enunciate the word of truth. Continue to embrace, now continue to enunciate the word of truth. As a follower of Christ, we bear the responsibility of telling others about the reality on how to see things and what particular worldview are we to wear in our lives as believers. You know, one time I encountered a statement in which I forgot who said it. He said, for evil to thrive, the only thing that the righteous shall do is to remain silent. For evil to thrive, 
in our society nowadays, the only thing that a righteous shall do is to remain silent. When there is something wrong that we observe around us and we don't say anything about it, that's a problem. Because we have the truth. We know the truth according to God, according to His wisdom. And if we shut our mouth seeing these evil things happening, then we are not influencing the world through the Word of God. Many times we keep silent because we are afraid, because we are afraid of rejection. We're afraid of getting into a debate. You don't have to debate with someone. You don't have to really bring that person and tell the person, you have to believe what I said. We just have to be very rational in explaining to them. Just explain to them. After you explain doing all your best and they would reject what you have presented, don't insist anymore. Well, you are no longer responsible for it because you led them to the truth already. We as God's children, we shall not only keep the truth deep within our hearts, it is like a perfume. You don't wear a perfume and hide it. No. When you wear a perfume, it is something that others will also enjoy. You smell so good. Why? Because you are wearing your perfume. On that same sense, why we have the truth of God in our lives. No wonder Paul advised Timothy, you enunciate the word of truth of God. Continue to enunciate it. Say it to others. If you can see evil happening, correct them. No wonder. If you look at the following verbs in chapter 4, verse 2, several imperative verbs that were mentioned. The first is preach or proclaim. And then there were several ones that are directly related with verses 15 and 16. When Paul said, the scriptures, all scriptures is inspired by God and it is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training for righteousness. Now, what's the difference of those four? When we say teaching, the Word of God, the Scriptures, is the fountain for the principles that we could have in life, principles for believers to live with. So it's, usable, it's very useful for teaching. Rebuking is directly related with correcting. Now, what's the difference between the two? When you rebuke someone, you point to that person the wrong thing committed. But when you correct someone, you bring that person who committed something wrong to what is right. For example, for example, I catch someone plagiarizing because I'm also a teacher. So I caught my student plagiarizing with his requirements. When I say plagiarize, meaning he copied from someone's writing or he got an idea from another person and presented it as if it is original own idea. So he plagiarized. I would go to my student now and tell him, this is wrong. You plagiarized. Where did you get this? You did not quote the person properly. That is rebuking. But when I tell the person now, where did you get this? I want you to quote properly. 
that is correcting now. Bringing the person to what is right. You see, the scriptures, as stated by Paul, is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training for righteous living. Now, when you reach verse 2 of chapter 4, he gave commands now in relation to these descriptions. The prepositions he gave in chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, are now given in a form of commands in chapter 2, 4, verse 2, wherein he told Timothy, you preach, you, you rebuke, you correct, you proclaim. These words were given to him. What was Paul telling him is actually, you enunciate. Because the Bible, the Scriptures, the wisdom of God is profitable. If you will not enunciate it, the rest of the people around you will not benefit from it. So it is important now that in one of the ways for us to be a blessing to others is to let them experience the benefits of having the Scriptures as the final arbiter for the truth that we uphold. We enunciate. And the last advice given by Paul is found in chapter 4, verse 5. When, if you look at that matter, the term that he used there is that, but be sober, be sober in all things. What does it mean by that? Meaning we should be very careful in the way we think about matters so that we will not also create wrong perceptions and wrong actions. Because usually, our actions are dictated by our perception. So if your, your perception about this person is someone who does not know anything, our actuation in relation to that person will be in that sense as well. So our perception about a matter is, I mean, our action about a matter is dictated by our perception with regards to that matter. So Paul is telling Timothy, you be very careful in the way you think about anything in life so that you will not have a wrong understanding about that matter and you will not create a wrong action toward that matter. In other words, Paul was telling Timothy, he was advising him not only to embrace the truth, not only to enunciate the truth, but he was telling him, you embody the truth. You embody, and the embodiment of God's truth starts with how we think. Because our actions are byproducts of what we think deep within our brains. So Paul is thinking, telling Timothy, be very careful on the things that you think and weigh things properly so that the principles that you create, the ideologies that you have, are directly anchored on God's truth, God's wisdom. Thus, your life also will exemplify such wisdom. Three advice given by Paul that all of us today ought to have as well. For us to live as faithful as we can as Christians in the society that upholds postmodern worldview. We ought to embrace, continue to embrace the truth. We shall continue to enunciate God's truth. And lastly, we shall continue to embody the truth of God. If I will say this in one sentence, God's children shall live by His Word.
God's children shall live by His word. When I was a student in Ebenezer, we call ourselves as people living by the bell. Why by the bell? Because it's the bell that woke us up in the morning around 5 or 5.30. The bell will ring to wake us up, telling us, have your devotions in your individual rooms. So we will wake up through that bell. And then, 30 minutes later, the bell will ring again around 6 o'clock. First bell, a call. A call for the students to be ready to go to the dining hall because later breakfast will be served. There will be another bell. The final bell for breakfast would sound, and then after that, if you are not still inside the dining hall, you cannot enter anymore because the door will be locked up. And then, when we are all inside, the bell again will sound for the devotions in the dining hall to start. And then, after that, a prayer will be given. We will eat our breakfast. After that, maybe around 30 minutes or so, the bell will ring again to drive us out of the dining hall. Why? Because the ones who are going to clean will start already cleaning. And then we will all go out, go to our respective dormitories, and then we will prepare ourselves. Because around 7.15, the bell will ring again. Warning, calling for the students to be ready now because we are to be in our classroom soon. At 7.30, the bell will ring again for the first period to start. One hour later, it will ring again for the break. Fifteen minutes later, it will ring again for us to go back to the classroom until all the classes for the day will be over, it will be dictated by the bell. In the evening, before the dorm will close, at around 7 o'clock, the bell will ring again for us all to go out because we must be in the library. At 8 o'clock or 8.30, the bell will ring again. Time for us to go out from the library. And then, at around 9.30 or 9, the bell will ring again for all of us to be inside our dormitories. At 10, the bell will ring again for us to sleep. You see, we live by the bell when we were students in Ebenezer. But when we come out as pastors, not only as pastors, as God's children, when we live in the society, we don't live by the bell, dictated by any, any influence around. We live by the word. We shall never be influenced by any social media. We shall not be influenced by any person that we, we, we treasure so close deep within our hearts, especially if that person goes against with what is stipulated in the Word of God. We shall not be dictated by our emotions. We shall not be dictated by our preferences because a believer, a follower of Christ, is not dictated by any other thing but only by the Word of God. 
For as Christ's children, we live by His Word. And I pray, I pray that God would look at us and He would evaluate us and He would tell, you are a good and faithful child of mine because you live according to my word. It is my prayer that when God looks at you, He will find you faithfully living according to His word. Again, live by the word of God. God bless you all and good morning. You just heard the message from Zumbuanga City Alliance Evangelical Church. We hope that it will help you in your journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. For more updates, you can follow us in our social media platforms in Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Zekayak Ministries. See you there!